Hello and welcome to the one 160 of a second photography podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Carl about being a wedding photographer. So Carl, can you just introduce yourself briefly? Hi, I'm Carl from 166 Photography. I've been a wedding photographer for about six years now. And apart from that, my background has always been in skateboarding and music photography. Thanks, Carl. Now, how did you get into photography? Into photography is one of those weird things. I used to make films, like I used to make a lot of skateboard videos. Growing up, that's the first reason I got into anything creative. I started traveling around with friends as I went to college and stuff. I didn't always want to take my video camera, so I went to a charity shop and just picked up a random, cheap as you like, automatic old um, film camera. And then started taking photos of following my friends around like that, sort of documenting our trips to go see bands and things like that. Uh, and then from there, it grew further and further to the point that I asked my parents if I could have some money to a DSLR if I did one of my GCSEs, not even a DSLR, unfortunately, an SLR. Um, so I asked my parents some money towards an SLR for my uh, 16th birthday, should I do one of my GCSEs? And I did okay, they gave me some money and I'd been saving, so it became a case of once I got that, I was hooked. So you started in photography. How did you make the transition to a wedding photographer, particularly from a skateboarding background? Yeah, I mean, the reason I, I started in wedding photography is the most family story, I think, ever. Um, I was never going to do wedding photography. It was kind of the bottom of my list of priorities. So from there, it got to a point where my cousin was getting married. And she said, look, we we do our wedding photography. And I thought, well... No, I don't. I'm a music photographer. I'm a skateboarding photographer. And kind of that's the field I work in. I don't really want to do weddings. And from there, it kind of, she said, oh, well, I'd really love it. And sort of twist my arm a little bit. And I was like, no, honestly, I'm really cool. Um, But then her dad, my uncle, obviously, spoke to my dad. And they both started applying the thumbscrews from either side. And she kept messaging me and, and kind of saying, look, I know you're not a wedding photographer. We don't want you to capture it like a normal wedding photographer. We just wouldn't capture it as you would. And eventually it's kind of one of those where I gave into pressure uh, and just ended up sort of giving it a go because it was either that or hear about it for months from every member of my family that why didn't I do it? So I just kind of came um, and shot their wedding and absolutely loved it. And, and kind of from there, it's one of those things that actually I was hooked on it. So compared to the other photography genres that you've worked in is wedding photography a more stable income or does it does it not matter do you think definitely more stable income well i say that obviously 2020 and and this pandemic has uh, wiped out everything I've, i've done for the last 12 months but i mean it is it is a stable income in terms of, of wedding photography versus say music photography or skateboarding photography they they're very much kind of unless you're top of the game it's a very much begging for scraps kind of obviously to try and move out of teaching, which is what my background was, into doing it full-time. Weddings were obviously going to be a simpler option than trying to chase the dream of bands, especially as I was getting older and kind of family responsibilities and things like that. I'm an amateur photographer. I've got a good DSLR. I've, I've got a tripod. I've got a flash. Can I just become a good wedding photographer or is it not quite that easy? It's that thing. It's the reason that, that I kind of find that I've, I've been successful in the transition to wedding photography isn't that I've got a good camera and I can take a a good photo in certain conditions it's a marmite kind of thing it's you'll either love it or you'll hate it because you can take a good photo of a a nice wildlife scene that you can put two people in that doesn't make you wedding photographer because you can um, work with 
with flash stats and make you a wedding photographer. Um, the thing that helped me most transitioning from doing music and stuff is knowing my camera inside out. Like I knew what would happen if I pressed this button, what would happen if I switched the speed by three clicks. I knew exactly where to find that. I knew how to change ISO without looking at the camera. It's just kind of you need to be absolutely on top of your game and especially shooting in low light because even on the bright sunny days, a church setting is can be literally the darkest place you'll ever shoot or it feels like it at, at times and the most important thing to anybody out there who's thinking of going into wedding photography and shooting a wedding please please if you don't listen to anything else I ever say get a backup camera body at least and if you can a backup lens because if something goes wrong on that day and that camera fails unfortunately nobody's going to reshoot their wedding because your camera body went wrong and all you're going to do is end up in a world of pain and it just is going to be a hellish thing all around that'll probably end up in one of the papers so just beware if you are going to start getting into it you need backup gear and you ideally need bodies that shoot two cars so you can back up your images i've actually done a bit of wedding photography i tried it out after doing some wedding shoots I, I thought it's not for me and one of the reasons I thought it's not for me is because I'm by no means a people person I'm, I'm quite an introvert I found it was really difficult to corral people to get people into the right places particularly when they've been drinking I felt quite awkward sort of invading people to take a photo how do you cope with that or is that not a problem for you at all it's a weird thing. I, I don't tend to think about it. And in terms of the pressure that I used to be under with music, I think actually in some ways it's less. With music photography, I had three songs, no flash, completely the mercy of the light in person for that night. And I had to get usable images in colour because they wouldn't accept black and white. So you're kind of, that to me is a lot more pressure than the church ceremony goes on for sort of 30, 40 minutes, up to an hour kind of thing. And to me, that's a lot more time. So that side of the pressure, capturing the shot is a lot easier again because of my background. And the other pressures, yes, my cards could fail, my cameras could fail. I have as many backups as I think I need. And it, it's just one of those things you can't think about it too much when you get into it if you did you just end up kneeling on the floor and rocking backwards and forwards i think thank you very much now you talked about working in a documentary style how do you stay sort of in the shadows and not get in the way but capture the shot do you use telephoto lenses how do you not get in the way and become an intrusion while getting candid shots and documentary shots i mean i'm very similar i am an introvert i i don't like really talking especially to large groups of people but for no 95 plus percent of my day I shoot in a documentary style so I, I don't really interact with hardly anybody in the wedding party I'm more like a fly on the wall for most of the day so so for a lot of the day it doesn't really affect me so much and couples book me because of my style but I do do kind of group shots because obviously even though I shoot in a documentary style there's always people who want that photo for their grandparents to hang on the wall and I kind of have to go back into my teacher mode from sort of previous life as well and just kind of shout out for the right people and, and all the rest of it and, and always understand that actually people will generally do as they, they're told even if they're drunk because if they don't they'll get told off by somebody's parents so again I think capturing majority of the day in a documentary style for me is the way that I kind of don't have to deal with that side of it so much being in for it myself fake it till you make it almost when it comes to group shots and that that's how I tend to get through that day in terms of shooting again 90% of my day is a 35mm prime and an 85mm prime again just because I like shadow depth field for just for keeping people a specific focus and I also 
kind of do you 7200 in the church which again you just normally place in a certain area by but I tend to shoot wide I tend to shoot 35 quite a lot of the time and try and get in close to people and I think it's that thing of again you you know people will kind of notice you're there but again you're not the, the focus of the day if, if you're stood within three feet of somebody and right stood within three feet of somebody you're just not going to exist and I know that sounds really weird being a six foot two like 20 plus stone guy um, that I melt into the background compared to a, a bride but it's just that thing they aren't there for you they're there for other people so they're looking for their friends they're looking for their family members and even though you're there you do sort of melt into the background in the way that you kind of act around them you don't kind of pull them to side to smile and, and cheese and all the rest of it you just keep quiet you kind of walk the room and and just do it that way and what sort of dress do you wear how, how do you dress for a wedding if you're trying to melt in and not be noticeable do you go in t-shirts do you, do you go in a suit how do you do it I mean personally I dress just as any wedding guest would I tend not to wear a tie because again with camera structure on my neck that can get a bit restricted and obviously with most weddings being towards the summertime I generally don't wear a blazer or a full suit but again I just try and dress like the average wedding guest would so nice shoes and again that's a top tip is if you are doing weddings get some shoes that are really comfortable because you're going to be on your feet a lot of the time so comfortable shoes a nice pair of trousers and a nice shirt and when you've got those and you'll blend in with about 90 percent of the guests around you so again it's just dress like a guest would as, as much as you can comfortably do and that will also help you kind of a look smart and b blend in i've seen well i haven't seen other photographers but i've worked with videographers who've had their their sort of company polo shirt and that kind of thing and to me, they stick out like a sore thumb. So as I scan a room, you can see the person wearing a polo shirt when everyone else is wearing shirts and ties. So again, I think it's important for my style anyway, at least, to be able to blend in and kind of not be noticed around guests until I've got a camera up on my face. Speaking of videographers, do you ever get asked to do a bit of both? Do you ever get asked to do hybrid? Do your clients ever say, we're not hiring a videographer, can you do it as well? They don't. And again, personally, it's becoming more, more popular, the whole hybrid approach. But I'm one of those people, like, I'm a perfectionist in, in what I do. And if I'm shooting video, which, again, obviously, before photography, I used to do some of. If I'm shooting video, I want to be fully engaged in shooting video. And if I'm shooting photography, I want to be fully engaged in shooting photography. I make it clear to my clients that I am there to be a photographer. If you want me to shoot a bit of video, I will shoot it but it's not going to be as beautiful as hiring a videographer in, in that field who I can recommend to them and stuff and say, look, these are the guys you need because they need to, to capture a lot of footage to to be able to have like a, a three, four, five minute clip. It takes an amazing amount of footage. And, and again, it's one of those things you have to educate your couples that those things that they see on YouTube that look absolutely beautiful and they're about five minutes long have taken all day to shoot. I guess a lot of it is educating the client when you sit down and, and first meet them. Yeah. I think education is key and I think that's where a lot of problems can, can stem from and I think you've got to be honest with your couples you've got to kind of tell them exactly what you are willing and aren't willing to do and if that means losing clients you have to you have to lose those clients it's a really hard thing especially when it's what you learn to put food on your table is that you have to say no sometimes and you have to be firm sometimes and again that's something that a lot of people who are starting in wedding photography do sometimes make the mistake of trying to be accommodating to everything uh, and I can't say I, I haven't done those kind of things in the past but you do quickly learn that you need to go to your client and say this is what I do because a lot of the couples as well this is their first ever wedding like sort of again for me all of my couples it's their first time getting married so they don't necessarily know and obviously they don't want to appear 
uneducated to photographers because they don't want to sit you naive and get taken advantage of. So it kind of becomes that game of if you're not careful, people end up second guessing each other. So I think the, the best thing I can say is to be clear with your couples, talk to them about how you work, what will happen, when they can expect stuff. And if that isn't for them, that isn't for them. Try not to take it personally and, and just accept they've gone another route. I picked up on some key things that you've said there that are really enlightening. The first one is most people, it's their first go of this. It's generally their first marriage and they haven't done it before, which is a really key thing. But the second thing is just the importance of setting expectations with your clients that's probably one of the the biggest business skills you need I'm guessing I think it is in no matter what genre of photography you get into I think it's it's always letting the client know exactly when they can expect stuff I mean I always say that my photos will take up to six weeks to deliver now 90 9.9% of the time they're delivered in in just over a month at the latest but if I said they're delivered in a month and for one couple I took a month and one day for some couples that would be absolutely devastating and I would be the worst wedding photographer my review would be terrible so yeah it's kind of one of those things isn't it it's educating and working with your clients to set expectations is in any business really is the key to success in my opinion and do you live and die by your last wedding review No, I've been lucky because all of my couples have always been absolutely amazing and I've got Touchwood, fingers crossed and everything else, all five stars in my reviews. But again, it's really hard sometimes not to take things personally. But again, if people aren't happy with their photos, that's just one of those things. I think it's a case of there's nothing you can do at that point because weddings, unlike sort of portraits or commercial work, can't be repeated. There is nothing you can do. As long as you've delivered a solid set of work that's within your style and that you're happy with, then I think sometimes, unfortunately, there is going to be sort of a review that's maybe not as complimentary as you would like and again it's just one of those things you've just got to take it on the chin let's just go through a hypothetical situation you meet with clients and we'll assume this isn't in the covid world you meet with clients they say now we want pictures up on facebook during the wedding day during the wedding day there's a couple of amateur photographers around and there's lots of people taking pictures with smartphones. How have those recent things affected wedding photography? Cell phones are a bit of a, a sort of a pain especially during the ceremony at the end like as the, as the couple come sort of down the aisle and out of the church it just feels like everybody and their uncle has got a cell phone out trying to to sort of get the image and again luckily I employ a tactic of just ignorance and and using my sight to my advantage sometimes where I just I stay sort of around six foot maximum away from the couple and just walk backwards down the aisle and again because of that I can get the shot using a 35 gives a nice sort of shot of them sort of come down the aisle and again I haven't got that many people around me because they've, they've moved to let me pass so I can just get those shots without the phones present in terms of the wider day again I have absolutely no issue with with sort of the whole cell phone thing I know some photographers do and are very purist I've always said I can capture you as you truly are because I shoot in a documentary so I'll capture you being spontaneous I'll capture you kind of smiling like you, you normally do rather than posing for a camera but I can't capture groups of friends in the same way that friends within that that group can if you see what I mean so I know with my with my own friends I can catch photos of them and having a laugh and having a joke and being their normal stupid selves kind of thing when you when you're uh yeah well or something like that but a wedding photographer can never get into that closeness of the group sometimes so again I think those images are really important and I think actually they can add to a wedding album 
it's kind of a nice couple of pages at the end, just old friends and family sort of cell phone snaps. Make a really nice addition just to get those really personal kind of moments added to the, the main album. In terms of me posting Facebook on the day, again, that's something that I, with my couples, I say that I, I just don't do that. I, obviously, I shoot raw, my photos take editing, and I want to make sure that the stuff that does go out is quality they will love. So again, that's part of the education that, for me, that's something I, I don't do. I have toyed with the idea and I've heard of sort of some wedding photographers who, while the meal's going on, having a break, they start ingesting cards into their laptops and get start culling down an edit already and then get a few photos from the day and put them onto a um, like one of those picture frame devices run off sort of off a small battery and leave that playing at the wedding for other guests to see and stuff. I don't want to rush anything, and I think it's a case of wedding shouldn't be about Facebook personally. Most of my couples don't tend to ask for that. I think, again, that's the way I market and the way I talk to my couples when I um, sort of meet with them and stuff, that we know whether we're going to be the right fit or not. Because, again, I I have sort of things that I, I don't agree to such as posting the same day on Facebook for the couple um, and all those kind of things, just because that's not who I am. And how do you cope with other amateur photographers or people with camcorders? Do they stand in your way? You know, how do you cope with that? It's very much the same as, as sort of the whole phone thing. And I think obviously phones now are much more prevalent and, and sort of much more out there than the, the amateur photographer or somebody with a camcorder. And again, I think it's it's that firm but respectful. If somebody is in your way, it's, it's just a case of having to, again, become firm but respectful and just say, look, I'm really sorry. I know you want to get a photo, but I need to get this photo first. Obviously, I'm the paid photographer. Can you just give me two minutes, please? And just, again, just being polite and, and saying thank you and, and giving them their couple of moments to, to get the photograph after you've got the shot. By doing that, that gives you what you need to be able to get the shot without upset people and it, it's a really simple thing and it's just again it's that firm but fair i need to get the shot please but i'll give you two minutes afterwards is that okay and obviously again 99.999% of the time everybody's going to say of course it is and if they they say it doesn't you kind of have to work around it from there but again i'm lucky i've never had that happen personally but i have heard of, of people especially as the evening's gone on where other photographers have got a bit more kind of no i need to get the shot as well i'm photographing too you just have to deal with it You've given a really good expose so far in this podcast of what it's like to be a wedding photographer, what you do, how you do it. But can you describe a typical wedding shoot that you would do, say, on a Saturday? So a typical wedding day for me starts the night before. So it's a case of making sure the batteries are charged, making sure that everything's in the right place within my camera bags, my ironing for the shirt and everything like that is done the night before. Then the wedding day itself, again, it's a case of start, start with a good breakfast for me to make sure that I can last because, again, sometimes grabbing a drink grabbing food can be very sporadic so make sure in the morning you have a, sort of a nice sort of decent breakfast a big glass of water is always a good good tip to again to for those going into it make sure you drink plenty of water as you're going to the shoot because you never know when you're going to be able to get that through the day moving on to arriving i tend to arrive sort of between 90 minutes and two hours before the bride sort of heads to the church so again it, it's then just making introductions and saying hello to everyone figuring out who everyone is within the wedding party and stuff because obviously you don't meet those people until that morning and then it's just a case of, of getting to work so from there you're capturing the things at home you're capturing the bride sort of getting ready and everything like that just kind of making small talk with people as well during time so kind of 
the bridesmaids, the, the mother of the bride and everything else. You just make that small talk because, again, they're the people that you can rely on later in the day. So if you're nice, if you're charming to them first thing, if you do need them later in the day, it makes your job a lot easier. From there, I, I shoot as a solo photographer. I have uh, an assistant, which is also my wife, luckily for me, who helps me um, through the day. But she doesn't generally shoot. So we, it's not like some duo photographers where they have one person with the bride, one person with the groom. And again, depending on what's been requested, I sometimes spend a little bit of time with the bride and dip over to see the groom if he's close by and then come back to get the dress going on and stuff. Or more generally, I will kind of focus on the bride and, and that side of thing at the house. And then after the bride has got into the dress, I will then head to the church to capture the groom kind of um, with the best man and, and all the rest of it before the event and then capture guests arriving. Obviously, from there, you have the ceremony. Confetti usually gets thrown after that. That's the part of the day that's the most stressful. Up to there, it's the really stressful part because obviously that's part that you really have only got one shot at. If you need to do a group shot and it doesn't work, you can do it later in the day. But the ceremony, obviously, is the part you must capture and you must nail. And it does become easier if you do more of it. But it's it's the one thing that even now is sometimes a little bit, you need to make sure you get this right. I kind of you still build yourself up to it from there obviously you're then into the rest of the day the hugs and, and the stuff at the church you then travel to the reception venue again capturing guests arriving capturing guests having a drink and a, and a chat in terms of my style that's what I find I get the some of the nicest photos because not only will the bride and groom be kind of hugging everyone around you'll also see some guests who haven't seen each other in a long time kind of laughing and joking and, and all the rest of it so there's really expressive moments to capture there then obviously if you go through from there it ends up at the, the wedding breakfast which is when I always take my break as well again I think it's a it's important that you do get that chance just to recharge your batteries not literally but figuratively in my opinion there's only ever one great photo of somebody eating food and that's a photo by Mick Rock of David Bowie eating a fried breakfast on a train that is the only photo as far as I'm concerned in the history of photography of somebody eating that looks good so there is no point trying to take photos of people during the meal obviously by then as well it's a case of if i haven't already changed cards change batteries because again it's always important to have several backup batteries batteries will usually last till the wedding breakfast which is then when i automatically just change them when i'm having my break put new memory cards in again so i know for the rest of the evening i've not got to worry unless there's a failure about sort of anything to do with the cameras and then the night goes on from there obviously there's speeches to capture and everything else and i think it, it kind of that's when it starts to sometimes become a little bit tiring if it's been a long hot day kind of as you get past the speeches and you're waiting for the first dance and everything else and you're still capturing everybody there that can be the part when it becomes a bit tiring so if you started at sort of half nine ten o'clock in the morning it's now kind of half nine in the evening it, it, that's when it can be a little bit sort of harder to to push yourself through those last few hours but again once the, once the music comes on and the first dance is there it almost re-energizes you it's kind of there is a little bit of a lull after speech just, just before the first dance usually in, in any wedding either as a guest or a photographer but then when that music comes on the dance floor and you see the couple there having that first dance again that's that's the most magical moment I think is, is seeing them have that first dance whether that be sort of something that's tried to be choreographed and, and ends up being some sort of full-on set piece or whether that's the awkward shuffle of we really don't like dancing not very good at it but we love each other and, and we want to dance to this song. That's sort of one of the magical moments. And for me, that's almost like it gives me a, a second win. And then obviously everybody gets on the dance floor and you can get some great sort of shots of people having fun on the dance floor and obviously uh, strutting their stuff, shall we say. By that time, it's kind of that's when you just gently slip out, you absolutely exhausted and leave the couple to, to enjoy the rest of their evening. 
I was going to ask about when you finish. Is when you finish dependent upon the package people have picked or do you always just do a whole day and, and go to the end of the dancing? I have two packages, so I just do either up to the wedding breakfast or I do kind of all day and up to and after first dance. Almost every couple I've ever had has booked me for the whole day. And again, I think it's kind of, in terms of time, I normally say first dance uh, and I might stay for a couple of songs, but again, I generally stay that extra half hour just to get some kind of nice shots of everybody by that time has let the hair fully down. So mothers who sometimes have been worried about things all day have suddenly let the hair down because the first dance is done. There's nothing more that can possibly go wrong if you see what I mean so everybody by that point has let the hair down you catch them again some really nice moments so I always try and stay for a good half hour after the first dance and that will be when I go again if they want some couples sort of have talked about booking me for the whole evening until the very very end which again is something that does come as an extra cost but I, I generally tend to work till after first dance so let's talk about timings in your week now so Friday you pack your bag and you get ready Saturday you're out all day and it sounds like it really is all day shooting get back you must be very tired and now you've got the editing and you've got admin tasks and you've got promotion and you must have other things to do how do you structure your week and how and when do you get time off in terms of the week it doesn't really end getting home Saturday night like uh, what I do is I always go via a second location and drop my backup cards off so I obviously I shoot cameras with, with two cards. I don't go straight home. I go to a second location and drop off my backup memory cards. Again, it's that thing of just in case. So I drop them off at my second location. From there, I then go home and ingest the cards straight into the computer. From there, I then have to wait for them to finish, which is when I'm normally having a cup of tea. I'd love to say I have a cold beer and all the rest of it, but actually all I want generally at that time is just a nice warm cup of tea. I let the cards go into the computer. I then start backing them up to my secondary hard drives which again will kind of I will then that's when I finish when they started to to copy across to the backup hard drive that's when my night's finished and obviously I've got a cloud backup system on top of that so again it's kind of that just automatically starts doing its thing so sort of Sunday I always take the Sunday after a wedding off because I'm just exhausted and also it's kind of that emotionally invested in in the day still so it's hard to, to kind of take a, a step back and, a, and a, take a breath from everything if you start editing straight away I'll leave it a couple of days three days maybe before I even look at the images again just kind of de-stress not de-stress from that wedding but just kind of let it let it sort of wash over me get my energy back a little bit and feel ready to get into the editing because I, I think it's important that you you don't do any editing of things like this when you feel tired or you feel kind of washed out from something and I think that by having that sort of day or two to relax is just really important and then I will tend to sort of do the first picks and the first selections within that first week after the wedding and then from there editing I will do in small batches again I know some photographers and, and some friends who sit there one day and just go through it and take one whole day and just smash it out personally again i kind of like to take it in small batches so that i can go back and feel fresh about something and just kind of do that a few hours here a few hours there and again it's, for me it's normally about three to four sessions to do a wedding which again will just take place dotted throughout the week in two to three hour blocks other than that it's kind of the marketing and stuff like that is one of those big tasks i'm going to be brutally honest i i don't like constantly having to post to Facebook and Instagram but I know it's kind of one of those things that is required now of, of photographers so for me that's my Monday morning task it's generally on a Monday morning I'll sit and I will 
pre-populate my sort of four to five posts for that week on both platforms so that I know again that's the job that I I like doing sort of the least personally is writing Facebook posts so I do those in a block and get those out of the way so then they automatically sort of pop up at a set time on a set day and again once they're up and and people comment and stuff I I like and enjoy that part of it it's just the kind of trying to to think of what hashtags you need to put in and and all those kind of things I just find a bit laborious sometimes my other main method of marketing personally is speaking with and working with other wedding vendors so style shoots and, and things like that and just going to grab coffee with people I love doing that I love sort of meeting those new venues and those new dress shops and dress designers and and florists and all those kind of things again they sort of become friends as you go through and and make your way in this world so again it's almost like you've both got a common interest you both kind of are happy to talk to each other so it's just like going and having a coffee so to me that's the side of your like work i also still do a little bit of teaching i i am i've always taught media studies when i was a teacher i used to teach it but I started to do a little bit of media studies because for me, that was the one thing when I was at school, I always wanted to do media. I always wanted to be a photographer or filmmaker. As you can imagine, growing up in rural Lincolnshire schools and families, kind of response to that was like, don't be so stupid. You live in flipping Lincolnshire. Like nobody's going to make films or, or do anything like that around here. Don't be so stupid. Get a proper job. And that's always been my my love of, of, of media studies and teaching and photography because I like to give kids the opportunity to access those things and not have to complete some of the barriers that I came up against growing up. So I still do a little bit of teaching of media studies to sixth form students, which again, I do on a Thursday and Friday. So again, that takes some of my time up for the week. So yeah, I mean, to circle the long way around to your original question, some weeks you don't get a break whatsoever because you're always busy. Other weeks, especially you go into the winter months, and there's not weddings every weekend you do kind of get a good time to to relax and de-stress kind of things but when you're in wedding season and you kind of do a lot of weddings it becomes that thing of you are constantly busy you you kind of have to face it's almost like a farmer again being linked to i have to bring it back to farming but it's almost like a farmer when it's harvest time you know you're going to be working a lot of hours you know you're going to be working really hard and that's when you're going to make sort of majority. But then in the winter months, you do get to relax a little bit more. You do get to kind of enjoy life a little bit more. And I think it's very similar for wedding photographers. Thank you. That's a really in-depth look at not only your week and what you do, but also the seasons and working around the wedding seasons. And it's lovely that you linked it to the harvest for a farmer. That's great. Now, what are the best parts about being a wedding photographer? The best parts are getting to be close and intimate with with people on the happiest day of their lives i think that's that's something really special and something that i never have taken for granted it's kind of you get to be part of that real inner circle you see things that not even their closest friends outside of the wedding party will see on that day and it's beautiful to capture that excitement and and that emotion that you get to see on a wedding day like it, it's always loved that part of it being part of those emotions of of somebody that kind of has has picked you for the job is an awesome privilege i always think of it as a privilege that i've been asked to be part of that inner circle of the day for oh i do get to work around my own schedule i know that i'll be working saturday but the rest of the week i can kind of create my own schedule around around everybody and everything and again i think it's just that thing of you get to hang out with people on a happy day and you get to sort of capture them and make their memories for other people. I think that's an important factor as well, making memories for people. Because obviously, like my own wedding, my memories of, of the exact day fade as the years go on a little bit. But I open 
my wedding album. And again, it, it, it brings everything back. And I think that's going to be me for for several people. And again, being very sentimental about the whole thing, it's kind of, I'm going to be dead and gone in the future. But my work will live on through those families telling stories. And I think that's a huge, huge thing for me personally, is the fact that I'm part of family stories through, not sort of directly, but obviously when they grab the wedding album and say, oh, our photographer, look what he did as they to their grandchildren and stuff. Look, this is what we got married. I can't wait for that part. I think it's the old thing. It's kind of similar why I went into teaching. I always wanted to be a rock and roll star when I was a kid. I always wanted to be remembered forever and, and kind of teaching is allowing me to live beyond my death and taking photographs is allowing me to live beyond my own years kind of thing i'm going to be part of somebody's future part of something they'll always remember fondly and you can probably guess what the next question is going to be for me what's the worst part of the job the worst part of the job it's saturdays and summer can be a, a sort of a downer sometimes when friends are having barbecues or or parties and things like that and obviously you're going to work that's there's no way to get around that that can sometimes be something that sucks again long hours but generally i don't mind those it is it is a long day and to a lot of people it's incredibly incredibly stressful i think as i do the more i do it the kind of stress is still there but you cope with it better if you see what i mean but long days and sort of saturdays are, are the two things that you have to kind of not really sacrifice because i get so much more out of working those days but yeah i think it's kind of the long days can be hard. And again, I think from from a photography perspective, I think it, it's frustrating seeing people pop up, uh, cut price photographers. So photographers do all day for sort of £400 or something like that and everything. And it's kind of, that can be hard from a, from a personal standpoint. It can be hard to see that you're now starting to compete with people who you will never be able to compete with because they're not having to put food on the table with their prices. They're just doing it to make a little bit of pocket money. And again, I think the industry, seeing the industry have more and more people entering it through the digital age and stuff, I think that is something that's really hard to, to sometimes see and deal with. But again, I think it's, you have to concentrate on yourself. I think trying to concentrate on other people and what they're doing is only going to lead to driving you mad because unfortunately you can't control other people. So I think that would probably be about it. Thank you. Now, last question. You've inspired one of our listeners who has listened to this podcast to become a wedding photographer or consider it how do you get into being a wedding photographer and are there any tips for success you would give them in terms of really getting into it i think if you want to get into it try it and make sure your photography game is strong like make sure you're inside out and everything else uh, and then try and reach out to photographers to see that etc as a second shooter and again i I didn't do that personally, but again, I know photographers who had have said it, it can be really soul-destroying that you email photographers all the time and they don't reply to you. They kind of do a thanks, but no thanks. It's hard to keep going with that route, but I think working with somebody else where you're sort of a second or th- even third shooter in some cases, I think it's a really important in route to doing it. I think it's kind of trying to go out there and do it on, completely on your own is, is really hard and make mistakes. And I think it's kind of, that's, the the kind of thing of being able to do it as sort of a third shooter or a second shooter you can make those mistakes because you know somebody else has got it covered if it's all on you and you make those mistakes there's there's a world of pain coming your way so that's how i would suggest that you kind of start to get into wedding photography tips for success i mean again it's really hard to to give any specific tips but i mean i think i've already said know your camera inside out be prepared to backside off and be able to work under a massive variety of conditions so you'll be working in 
incredibly dark environment so you need to know how to work your iso down at that level and, and sort of balance everything out there straight from there you're going outside into absolute bright sunshine so again it's kind of remembering that then you need to try and get people into shade to avoid the harsh shadows on their face and stuff like that then as you go into the evening you will portraits of the bride and groom so they need to become almost an off-camera flash photographer to really get portraits that are absolutely stunning just get used to being able to use on off-camera flash and then you become a night when everyone gets on the dance floor so it's kind of there's a wide variety of skills you need so make sure you shoot and experiment and try as much as you can for the love of everyone you're going to photograph make sure you're confident of doing those before you accept a wedding because as, as we sort of alluded to right at the very start of this it, there is no second chances if you make an absolute mess of it going to leave a scar on somebody's life and i know it sounds really dramatic but if, if this goes really badly wrong there's going to be the rest of their life they're going to remember the wedding day and the photographer who cocked everything up so just don't be that guy get experience if you can and make sure that you kind of feel confident and you're you're happy with it and again i think like you said when you sort of shot a few weddings and realized it wasn't a few i think a lot of people will do that and think oh weddings you get a lot of one day's work but then when you kind of see behind the curtain and it's not one day's work it's all the editing and everything else that goes with it. it's all the prep it's all the meetings it's all the, the everything else into it i think it'll be a case of you'll either realize it and fall in love with it or you'll kind of 180 and walk out the door so get experience as a second shooter or third shooter if you can and then um, make sure that you just know what you think and again i've said this before but for god's sake have backups of everything you use on the day because if something goes wrong and you can't grab another camera and pretend like nothing's happened that's the worst thing in the world i would imagine never had it happen but I, i've heard the stories so again make sure the number one top tip is to make sure you have backup equipment because if you don't and something goes wrong you're screwed and on that note of being screwed, we're going to finish the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, where can where can listeners find more about you if they want to? 166photography.co.uk. I am on all socials, Twitter less than the rest. But again, find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram just searching 166photography. But the best place I like to send people is towards my website. And of course, all those links will be in this show's description. So I'd like to say thank you to Carl and I'd like to say thank you to you, the listener, for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.